I invite you to open the Word of God this morning to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading one verse, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And I would invite you, if you're able, to stand in honor of God's precious Word. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. We rejoice and we're encouraged when we hear such a powerful witness of the gospel and people responding to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that when we read this, it always echoes in my heart and even in, in the testimony of this scripture, Lord, do it again. Well, we want to see men, women, boys, and girls come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessings upon your word. May it accomplish what you desire for it to accomplish in this place today. May we hear what the Spirit is saying into our lives, and may we respond with obedience unto you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It was a Sunday morning, and a gentleman walked into the sanctuary, and as he walked in, he could not be inconspicuous. He stood about six foot eight, and he was north of 300 pounds. He was a very large man. He played NFL football, and he had some bling on his finger of some Super Bowl rings that he had been a part of those teams and that he had that to share and to rejoice in in his own life. But he never trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And God brought him there to be a part of the church and a part of the ministry. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to lunch with him, to talk with him about what it meant to be a believer. And he said, I know that's what I need to do, but I'm not ready. I, I just don't feel like it's time yet. And so I, I was very respectful and encouraged him to be praying for him as he was seeking to know what Christ could do within his life. A few weeks later, he was there on a Sunday morning and I had preached and uh, we were given the invitation. I was standing down the front and he made his way out of the seating where, he, seating where he was and he came walking down the aisle to me and he said, this is it. I'm ready to ask Jesus Christ into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And so I had the privilege of kneeling down at an altar with this, this big man and praying with him as he confessed his sins, as he repented of his sins, and as he turned from sin and self unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And on this day, he was miraculously and gloriously saved. It was a very exciting time, but as we stood up, and I was just like right beside him. I looked up at this guy, and, and what, the, what went through my mind, I must confess, is now I've got to baptize this guy. I mean, he was a monster of a man. And so we figured out a time for him to come and to be baptized on a Sunday morning, and I was taking a little opportunity during those few weeks in preparation to go to the gym, work out a little bit myself just to be a little stronger on that day. And so on that morning that we were baptizing him, you know, it's interesting when, they, they, when it's a larger person like someone that size, they put, they put less water in the baptistry, you know, because when he walks in, he kind of fills up the baptistry. The water rises when he walks in. So I, I first walked in the water and I look and I think, oh my goodness, look how shallow this water is. And then when he walked in, the water went over the top of the baptistry. I mean, that's just how quick it rose up. And so I'm standing here to baptize this guy. Now I'm left-handed, so when I baptize people, they turn and they face this way. Sometimes you see people face either way. There's really nothing spiritual about which way you're turning. It's just which way the pastor can get you up out of the water, okay? And so he's standing there 
And I put my hand up here, you know, on his back, and I've got my other hand up here with a handkerchief to cover up his nose, you know, when I go into the water. And so I said, as I started introducing him, I realized that people could not even see me behind him. He was so big. And so I leaned out to the side, and I introduced him and asked him, I said, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? He turned around and said, yes, I have. And so I went back, got my hand up here, my hand up here, and I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I got him up out of the water. And every Everybody out there just started applauding. I applauded because I got the guy up out of the water. I was just proud of myself to be able to do that without dropping him as I baptized him on this morning. But baptism is just an exciting time. It's a celebration. It's a time of rejoicing. It's an opportunity that, that God just places his affirmation, his confirmation upon the church for the work of the kingdom, the work of the gospel. And when men and women and boys and girls come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they follow him unashamedly, unapologetically, uncompromisingly in the waters of baptism to declare publicly that Jesus Christ is Lord. And on this day that we read in the scripture, we find that there were over 3,000 souls that were added to them. 3,000 people being baptized. Think about that. Just the logistics of it, just the logistics of it have to be crazy in and of itself. I mean, you think about in a church, we baptize three or four or five people, and we've got to have T-shirts, we've got to have towels, we've got to have all the things. 3,000 people? I mean, the baptismal committee's overwhelmed on this day. They have to be. So where did they baptize all of these folks? Well, as you look at the city of Jerusalem, you realize that on the different exposures of the walls, on the southern wall of Jerusalem in recent years, they have unearthed these ritual baths. And these ritual baths were places where in the Old Testament, as they would make their pilgrimage unto Jerusalem, going up to Jerusalem, because you have to go up to go to Jerusalem, they would arrive there. And before they were fit to go up to the Temple Mount and even to the Temple area itself, they went through a time of cleansing. They had a, a, a ritual cleansing. There And they had these ritual baths that had been, had been carved out in the hillside. There are hundreds of them there. And so they would make their way there. They would be cleansed and they were fit then to go up to the Temple Mount. So here it is believed that Peter preached this great Pentecost sermon. He called people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He went from the Old Testament to the fulfillment and the fruition of the gospel in Jesus Christ the Lord. And he called upon them to repent and to believe and to follow Jesus Christ. And obviously many Many people responded. And so there in those ritual baths, they became baptismal pools and over 3,000 souls were added to them. And it established a witness. It established a foundation and a testimony that we even follow to this day. Not because we're Baptists, not because we're told that that's what we ought to do, but because that's what the word of God teaches that we are to do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is to publicly profess our faith through baptism. Now, it's very important that we establish the fact that baptism does not save. Baptism does not save any individual. As a matter of fact, there's water in this baptismal pool today. It's the same water that you'll find in water fountains and other areas around the building. The pastor knows no kind of mojo that he can speak over the water that all of a sudden makes that water something other than what it is. If you walk into the baptismal waters lost in your sin and you are baptized, then you're going to walk out of the baptismal waters still lost in your sins and wet. That's all that's going to happen. 
happen to you. For baptism does not save, but it is a powerful testimony. It is a powerful symbol of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every time someone is baptized, they are declaring the gospel. It is a powerful witness and a powerful testimony of your transformation and your salvation in Jesus Christ. You, you go into the waters and you bury the old person and you rise to new life, a new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we cannot in any way minimize the importance of baptism. It does not save, but baptism is a powerful witness, a powerful testimony of your decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to examine Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And as we do so, I want you to participate in this scripture by placing the testimony of your life in Christ against this word. I want you to, t to think of your testimony of when you accepted Jesus Christ, of when you were baptized. Maybe in your testimony you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, and that's what God, through his spirit, is going to point you to Christ today to believe and to receive the salvation. Those that gladly received his word, that's what can take place in your life today. Maybe the baptism as we examine it is not following the prescriptive of scripture. And so whatever God's word reveals to you today, I encourage you in obedience. I encourage you in faithfulness. I encourage you to follow what the Lord through his love, through his grace, and through his mercy will be revealing unto you to respond. So think of your testimony and walk through that as we move through this scripture even this morning. For within the scripture we find that baptism and the testimony of baptism declares an unhindered response to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just an absolute unhindered response. Notice how it says in verse 41, those who gladly received his word were baptized. I mean, it's just an unhindered work in their life. We believe in Jesus Christ. We receive his word. We receive his salvation. And then in obedience to that, we take the first steps in our discipleship. We take the first steps in our fellowship. We take the first steps in our fellowship. We take the first steps in obedience to Christ, and we follow him through baptism. So they, they received the word, and then they were baptized in an absolutely unhindered way. Now, by no means do I want to try to guilt anyone into anything today. As a matter of fact, that's manipulation and that's totally wrong. I'm just asking you today to look at your life, to look at your testimony against the word of God. And as a pastor... I have seen many, many different scenarios in people's lives where they have come to grips with what the Word says and they've come to the realization of where their life is. For example, there are many, many people who attend church today Many, many people that you come into contact with, and as you talk to them about Christ and their relationship with Christ, they will say, well, I was baptized as an infant. I was baptized as a child. I really don't know what, what happened. I don't even remember it. It's just part of the tradition of the church, but I was baptized. They use that word baptized. I realized that later on in my life, there was a time that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I know that I'm saved, and I know that I'm going to heaven, but, 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 I, but I've been baptized already, so I don't need to be baptized again. Now, now, now the, the, the fallacy in that is that you're really not being baptized again. Because quite honestly, you haven't been baptized yet. 
according to what the Word of God says. For when you read the Scripture, when you follow the Word of God, the prescriptive, if you follow the Word of God that is delineated, it is always they believed and then they were baptized. There's never a teaching, there's never a moment, there's not even a hint. There's not even uh, in any way a time that you can construe to say that they, that, they believed, that they were baptized and they believed and they were not baptized following their belief. In every instance we find in the New Testament church, in the teachings of the Word of God, belief and then baptism. Now why is that important? Because baptism doesn't save. Many people believe that baptism does save. And we deny regeneration through baptism. We deny uh, infant baptism because those are not taught in the word of God. We believe according to the scripture as it is revealed in the verse we've read and following throughout the remainder of the New Testament, they believed and following that belief, baptism occurred. And baptism occurred because what had taken place privately within their life, they now are declaring publicly, unhindered, unashamed. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, pastor, that all sounds good, but I, but I know that I've that I already been baptized and I believe, so I really don't need to be baptized. And, and, and what I would say to you is this, you know, no, you do not need to be baptized to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven because you're saved, because you accepted Jesus into your life. But if you want to be an obedient follower of Christ, if you want to be someone whose life is on fire for the Lord, if you want to be someone who is serving the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, then we've got to be obedient to what Christ taught us to do. And he said, even in the Great Commission, to go, to disciple, and to baptize, nowhere do we find that in any other descriptive. Jesus said to be baptized. And so we're following even the example and the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I've had many people who have come forward and they have said, well, I came forward today uh, as, a, as, a, as a boy, as a girl, as a young adult, as a, and, and I got to my pastor and the pastor said, we're so glad you've come here today. I want you to have a seat right here. And they, they, they said, I, they, they put me on, on a seat and then they handed me a, a form and somebody was helping me. We were trying to fill out all this information. And then before I know it, they say, oh, just go up there and stand by the pastor. And they, I'm standing by the pastor and the pastor said, here's John, here's Sally, here's Sue, here's Mark. And they've accepted Jesus and they're going to be baptized. And everybody just applauded. And then later on, I was baptized but 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 now I realize that I was never saved I'm in church but I'm not in Christ there's a big difference between the two I believe the roles of our churches today are filled with people who are in the church but they're not in Jesus Christ because many people never dealt with the lostness they've never dealt with their eternity they've never dealt with their sin they were just baptized. And so if you're thinking about your testimony and, and your testimony is, well, I joined the church, I was baptized, but there's not any indication of that time when you humbled yourself, repented of your sins, and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, then today I encourage you to come to Christ in salvation. To come to Jesus today who first loved you, who gave himself fully upon the cross, who shed his blood for you, who gave of himself in order that you might have life abundant and life everlasting. You must be saved. You must trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Now, I also understand that many people who have been in church get nervous with that because what, is, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? 
I mean, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a deacon, I'm a teacher, I'm a committee member. I, I've been in that church for all these years. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to disappoint my mom and dad. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt the feelings of, you know, and, and, and we allow pride to keep us from responding. And we hold on to ourself rather than letting go and allowing Christ to do that supernatural work within our life. Now, I just want to kind of put you at ease this morning on that, okay? Let's say there's someone who's here this morning. And they are founding members of this church. And if they are, then they've got them on pickle juice sitting back there somehow because this church has been here a long time, okay? I would imagine you don't have any founding members left that I'm aware of. Uh, but, 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 but if they're here and, and, and they decide today that they've never trusted in Jesus as their Savior, and when they come walking forward, everybody goes, my goodness, they've been here forever. I mean, would we not rejoice today? Would we not celebrate today? Would we not applaud today and say, thank you, Lord, for the salvation in that person's life? Can we put those people at ease even right now and say, yes, that, that's what our heart is. That's what, that's what we would say this morning. Absolutely. You see, it's important. You know, some people say, well, I don't, I don't really know if I've ever trusted Jesus. Well, you know, it's important that you know. I mean, because salvation is a one-time, supernatural, miraculous event that eternally changes your life. You may not know the, the, what you're wearing. You may not even know what the weather was on that day. But I assure you that if you have humbled yourself and repented of your sins and you've turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and everything about your life has changed, the trajectory of your life is now totally different because of Christ, you you will know that you have had that experience. You don't stumble into Christianity. You don't just kind of somehow find your way there. No, you come and you make a profound decision as the Spirit calls and draws you unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith, you call unto him, receiving his love, his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. And he will cleanse you of all sins, remove them as far as the east is from the west. He will redeem you to the uttermost and you will be saved forever and forevermore. Your name will be written in the book of life and you will belong to the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. That, my friend, is a salvation that you will not forget. And that must be the experience. That is who we are as we come as sinners and we receive the redemption that comes through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ the Lord. So just put your testimony there. Where do you find yourself today? Not what I'm saying, but what the Scripture is revealing to us as we read it this morning. You know, we've had days like this where we've emphasized baptism through the years as a pastor. There's a photograph that if they would put up right now. We had a day that we were saying, on this day, if you come forward, you know, and get this right, you know, we, we, we're ready to baptize you, just like, just like they are today. There, there's water, and they're ready. We had some people in the first service who, who were baptized, and, and, and you can be baptized at the conclusion of this service if, if you need to make those kind of decisions. So we had this type of day. This couple came forward. She was in a wheelchair. He was pushing her. And they got to where I was. And, of course, music is playing and people are talking. You know, it's hard sometimes to hear everything that's going on, you know. And so, so she motioned and I knelt down right beside her. And she said, Pastor, she said, I have never trusted Jesus as my Savior. She said, I want to be saved today. And so I was able just right there to talk to her about what it meant to know Christ, share with her scripture. And she prayed and she repented and she confessed Jesus and she was gloriously saved there in that moment. And, and, and she said, now, I want to be baptized. I said, well... I know that, you know, we have this day, but, you know, maybe, maybe we need to come back and do it later. I mean, you're in a wheelchair. I mean, you know, we may have some issues. I mean, she said, no, you said 
that if we accepted Christ today, that we could follow him unashamedly in baptism, and I want to do just that. And I said, yes, ma'am, we'll make it happen somehow. And then I stood up, and her husband, who was behind her, holding on the handles of the wheelchair, was just weeping. I mean, he was just broken. And he had been listening to everything that had been said there as he had leaned over. And he said, Pastor, I need to make this decision too. And so I was able to lead her husband standing right there to faith and salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he called out unto the Lord in salvation. So we had some first responders, and they helped the, 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 the woman up to the baptismal area. They, they, they brought her into the changing area when it was appropriate, and the ladies there helped her get ready. And then what you can't see in that, in that picture is this. As they brought her in the baptismal pool, one of those first responders came in, and he is seated on one of the, the, the steps going into the baptistry, and she is on his knees. And so when I baptized her, I really baptized him too. I got a two-for-one there, to be honest. You know, both of, them, both of them went under the water and came up. And then I baptized the husband, and you can see just the joy. I mean, just joy. Everything about their life, everything about their marriage, everything about their family, everything about their eternity was changed in a moment as they accepted Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and Savior. And here they are, unashamed, unhindered, following and doing what the Lord wanted to do. The church just erupted. I mean, applause and shouting and rejoicing over the decisions and the obedience. You see, baptism is a testimony, and it encourages us in such great ways. We also see within this text, not only unhindered, but the baptism is that which will unleash our life. We're unleashed follow the Lord, to serve the Lord. Many people wonder, why, why can I not seem to move on? Why can I not seem to be where I ought to be? And, 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 and many times it comes back to this issue of baptism because they have not been baptized biblically. And if you're not willing to take that first step of obedience, then you're not going to take other steps of obedience. If you're not willing to surrender all under the Lord Jesus Christ by publicly declaring him as Lord and Savior, then you're going to struggle in every area of your walk in Christ. You're going to struggle in every area of your service unto the Lord. And so here we find that these individuals, over 3,000 souls are added to them on this day. The church is just unleashed. Now, who are these people? Look in verse 9 of this same chapter. They are Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those who dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. Remember, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And these are the people who were believers. They just came under the power of the gospel, and they were willing to surrender everything. And so in this moment... In this moment, these people believed, and the, and the Great Commission is literally being fulfilled as they went out to the nations, to the ends of the earth, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in this moment today, God can do something in your life. In this moment today, God can change your life. God can do a miraculous work in and through you as you respond unto him. And so the church today, we are the people of God. And, and, and we are the ones who are to be unleashed in the world. And while we've gone through this pandemic and, and, and everyone's struggling in, in, in this area, what to do, how to, how to do, and, and so forth, uh, we must be reminded as the people of God, we are not weak. We're not anemic and we're not inept. 
We're not powerless and we're not puny as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the power and the promise of Christ to propel us to greater heights as we are obedient unto him. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Certainly not a pandemic. He is greater than all the things that we are facing even in our culture today. But yet churches are making decisions What are we going to be in the midst of this? What are we going to be in a post-pandemic culture? And I believe that there are two responses that we're going to see as the people of God and as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're either going to be a placeholder or we're going to be a stakeholder. A placeholder church is one where we just kind of are waiting. (laughs) Lord, we know at some point everybody's going to come back. Lord, we know at some point it's going to be like it used to be. And I don't want to burst anyone's bubble. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But I'm just here to tell you, it's not going to be like it used to be. It may not ever come back the way it was. And if we choose to be a placeholder church in this moment, then we're going to be that church that's alive in name only. We're going to be that church that's lost its first love. We're going to be that church that's just waiting on the side, hoping hoping, longing for, but missing the opportunity that God is giving us now in the midst of this moment to be the church, vibrant, alive for the Lord Jesus Christ, a placeholder. It could be that you could be a stakeholder church. And a stakeholder church is a church that says, we're not looking at what once was. We're not looking at what we can no longer do. Instead, we are actively seeking to do what we can do in this moment in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are seeking to make a difference in the lives of people. We're ministering. We've not shut down. We've not shut up. We're still doing the work that God has called us to do. That is a stakeholder church that will still be alive and will still be relevant and will still be vibrant on the other side of this pandemic. For you see, placeholder churches are in inward focused but stakeholder churches are outwardly focused placeholder churches are focused on strife but placeholder churches are focused on salvation placeholder churches are consumed with budgets and buildings but stakeholder churches are consumed with mission and ministry placeholder churches have the spirit of conflict but stakeholder churches have the spirit of celebration placeholder churches are lifeless but stakeholder churches are lively placeholder churches are escaping the culture stakeholder churches are engaging the culture placeholder churches are are lifting their hands in resignation and defeat. But stakeholder churches are lifting their hands in rejoicing and in declaration. Placeholder churches are giving up and giving out. But stakeholder churches are giving more and giving all. Placeholder churches are consumed with seating, but stakeholder churches are consumed with sending. Be a stakeholder church. And in order for us to be a stakeholder church, we must have stakeholder Christians, stakeholder believers who are obedient in their personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a stakeholder. Churches are meant to thrive and not just survive. And we must remember, we are in the presence of the holy, righteous, risen, ruling, reigning, returning, living, eternal Savior. And the church belongs to Jesus Christ the Lord. Ministry has always been carried out in brokenness and in pain and hurt and disappointment and crisis and in struggle. Ministry sees people at their worst 
and most vulnerable moments. Ministry takes you out of your comfort zone and it stretches your levels of commitment. It pushes your obedience to God and his word. Ministry in a stakeholder church will engage the forsaken, the forgotten, and the forfeited. It will reach out to the defeated and the discarded and the devalued. Ministry in a stakeholder church is concerned with the marginalized and the misunderstood, the neglected, and the negated. Ministry seeks out those who are hiding in the shadows and calling them to this glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I realize people are hurting (laughs) I've never seen in my years of ministry such hurt, such disappointment, such depression, such anger, all the things that are marking our culture every day. Just this past week in our own family, we had a a cousin and and her husband. He was a, a Vietnam veteran, highly decorated war hero. They were believers in Christ. They had followed the Lord, been baptized. They were serving the Lord, living for him through the years. Beautiful testimony of the gospel of Christ within their lives. I was a ring bearer as a little boy in their wedding. They have a son and a daughter, and as a minister, I officiated both the weddings, their children. So they haven't had a wedding in their family without me being involved in it one way or the other. But on Tuesday of this past week, Charles, who had contracted the coronavirus, had gone in the hospital, got in a downward spiral, ultimately on a ventilator. He died. During the time he was in the hospital, Nancy, his wife, was also had been contracted with the coronavirus. She is in the hospital, and she is in another hospital. He dies on Tuesday. Her health spirals downward, and by yesterday, We got word that she passed away. In one week, husband and wife, mother and father, friend to so many, faithful believers in Christ. You know, it just reminds us of the fragility of life. It reminds us that life is just a vapor, and it's here and gone. It reminds us we have no guarantees, none, none, none whatsoever, no matter what our age. And the importance, the importance of knowing Christ and having a relationship with him. Oh, we grieve. We grieve. There's nothing wrong with grieving. God gave us that gift to grieve. But we don't grieve without hope because our hope is in Christ. And we know that Charles and Nancy today are both with the Lord. Oh, it still hurts. Their family's devastated. Their kids, their grandkids. But I'm thankful that we can stand here and look at their life And look at their testimony. And we can know that they believed and received Jesus gladly into their life. They were baptized as believers. As believers who had been baptized, they were obedient to Christ. And the faithfulness of that steps of obedience followed them throughout the days of their life. And God used them powerfully and mightily in the work of the kingdom and in the work of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So where do you find that today in terms of your testimony? We see baptism is important. It's a public profession of your faith. It's a symbol of your salvation. It's a biblical act of obedience taught in the scripture. It's a testimony of your salvation. It's an ordinance of the church. Christ commanded us to do two things as a church. 
Lord's Supper and baptism. And we are to follow him in both of those ways. The Bible gives us an order of baptism. It gives us a method of baptism. And so I ask you today, as you have placed your life beside the scripture, where do you align yourself? Say, Pastor, you're trying to force us into a, into a, a hole. You're trying, to, you're trying to force us into a teaching. No, I'm just trying to point us to the Scripture today. It's not what I'm saying, it's what the Word is saying. And if what I'm saying is not found in the Word, then, I, then, then I'm wrong. But it's found there. It's found consistently there. And every believer in the church throughout its history has followed this pattern, this prescriptive. And it's important that we continue in that testimony we continue in that obedience to what Christ commanded us to do today. And so in a few moments, we're going to give this invitation. There are going to be pastors who are here all across this altar who will receive you. And there are some here today who are believers in Christ. You know you're a believer. But you've been thinking about that testimony. And as you start your testimony, you realize that you have believed that your baptism was before your belief. And no matter what your age today, we can make this right. You can make this right. You can be baptized this morning. They have people who are ready. I mean, as soon as the invitation is given, they, they'll share with you, find what God is doing in your heart, and you can be baptized this morning. You, you've been battling with this. You've been struggling with this. You've been, you've been resisting this, and you know that today, this is an opportunity God's given you just to make it right. So we'd encourage you to come. Belief than baptism. There are others here today, and you say, well, I've never been baptized because I've never believed. And, and, I, and I know that, that, that I, I've never trusted Christ. And I pray today that you'll not allow this moment to pass. There are young people here today that need to come and accept Jesus. There are adults here today that need to come and receive Christ. You need to come and, and confess and repent and turn and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord within your life. Believing in his death, his burial, his resurrection. The power of the gospel can change you today in Christ. And then be baptized as a believer, as a testimony publicly of what has happened privately within your life. There are those who are here this morning and you've been in church, but you haven't been in Christ. You've just kind of been playing this whole thing. And there's times that you felt guilty about it. There's times the hypocrisy of it has, has you struggled with. But you always just kind of push it further down the road, kick the can a little bit further down the road. And this morning, the Spirit of God has confronted your heart because he loves you, because he cares for you, because of your need within your life. And I pray that today you can leave this place saying that it's not that I'm in church, I'm in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I'm in his church. That you will come and believe in Jesus as your Savior today, making that your commitment, and we will rejoice in every decision that is made for the Lord. Let's stand with every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we pray now just for these next moments. Lord, it may be that even right now that that person who's dealing with this decision just wants to take a step out and move, move forward. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Just, just, Lord, that they would come right now just saying, yes, that's exactly where I need to be, exactly what I need to do. I want to be unashamed. I want to stand unhindered. I want to be faithful today. I want to do what the Lord is asking me to do within my life. And so you just start coming, coming right now. Father, we pray that you'll just move in this invitation time, Lord, that we'll, we, we know that, that one, Lord, making that decision will encourage others. 
3,000 began with just one making a decision then moved to two, to three, to a hundred, to a thousand, to multiple thousands. And Father, I pray we'll do nothing to quench or hinder the work of your spirit today, but Lord, in obedience that we will respond, that we will come, that we will come, that we will follow you, oh Lord. But Lord, this is about what you desire within our lives. And so I pray, Lord, for those young people today who are looking at their heart, looking at their life, Lord, if it's salvation, they will come giving their life to you. If it's baptism, they'll come, Lord, taking that step of public profession of their faith in you. Father, for others who are here, adults, and Lord, as they're looking into their life, Father, maybe there's it's been a long journey to come to this moment today, but I pray that they'll not allow this moment to pass, but on this time today, Lord, that they'll find that place of peace in you and their salvation and their obedience through baptism. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, would you come now, come quickly.